0: Harden
1: going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... He'll have been paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their What happens contract. next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Superbacks next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to vote. Are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole, you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into
0: the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 he million dollars to find
1: a year. Home. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the off-season. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got man. No question.
0: Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. And this actually is a mix between... Round Ball Ramble and the Bird's Rights Pod. We are doing a series of simulcasts, just a really dope series, so just call it the cast if you will. Doesn't really matter, but for this iteration, you can call me one part of the co-hosting team. I'm Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. We also have here special guest slash co-host slash the architect of what we were about to unveil, Steven Bagel. You can follow him on Twitter at Bird Rights Pod. And honestly, check out before I turn over to Steven, all of Sports Ethos' entire selection of shows across all platforms—early Bird Rights Pod being one of them—specifically focused on the NBA front office trades, basically everything we're, we're going to get into here in a bit. But there's so much on Sports Ethos between basketball, baseball, football, gambling—you know, betting, um, fantasy. You, you, fantasy, you name it.
1: Off now. Wow. Yep, we have fantasy golf. <laughs>
0: Well <laughs> hello everyone.
1: This is Steven. In case you don't know me, but disc <laughs> golf
0: I was about to <laughs> give you the intro, but what a way to go. Let's bring it in, Steven. There we go. Check them out. Check Steven out. It's all there. Speaking of Steven, you've already heard his voice, the, the 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 architect of fantasy disc golf. Um before we get more into that, Steven, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well, Corbin. Busy time of year for me with the trade deadline um approaching. Obviously, you know, I'm the NBA front office guy here for sports ethos. So yeah, that's, that's why we're here today and that's what we'll get into. But yeah, busy time of year with the trade deadline, less than, less than a month away now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's getting there. Uh, we are in crunch time between a lot of content, not only on sports ethos, but just in general down the line. Uh, in fact, this major project, I'm really horrible at burying the lead and, and, and waiting for the last moment to unveil something. So we're about to get right into it. Uh, Steven, in addition to hosting the Birds Rights Pod, being the architect of all of the actual front office litigations and, and trades and all that actually happen in the real world for sports ethos, is also the commissioner mastermind of something we're about to talk about. Steven, listen, take it away.
1: So since Monday, Monday is, I believe, when we started Corbin, but um, it's the mock trade deadline. For those, of you, for those of you who have followed me since I joined Sporty, Sports Ethos at the beginning of last NBA season, last year was – I mean, I've always done a mock trade deadline. Usually I just did it by myself, doing trades that made sense and talking about them on my old podcast, The NBA Goal. But I said, you know, I joined Sports Ethos. I said, you know what? I have this platform to unveil something really cool. So I assembled 14 other people. So we had 15 people in total. And we each represented two NBA teams in the discord chat negotiating as if we were NBA general managers. And Corbin, I know you were in it last year. You're in it this year. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a lot of fun.
0: It really is. It really is.
1: <laughs> so this year, I decided, you know what? This is such a unique thing that we're doing in such a niche that I have that I was like, why don't we expand this even more? So this year we have 30 participants and I actually like 30 people more participating in it because then obviously everyone's representing one team. So you're more likely that every single team is going to at least be engaged and participating and negotiating and trying to improve their teams. Last year, let's say you had, I don't know, the Magic and the 76ers. The 76ers you knew were going to be busy because they were trying to get James Harden for Ben Simmons. But the Orlando, ma- maybe the Magic are a bad example because they sold guys off too because they were rebuilding. But let's say you're a team that kind of was just going to stay path, then you're like, okay, well, I made Moose of Sixers, so I'm good. Now everyone's focusing on their own team. So we'll probably end up having more trades than what's going to happen to the actual deadline because I'm sure mm-hmm. every single participant is going to be eager to make at least one trade. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. I, I'm having a blast so far. Um, as the, I'll call my, you called me the architect. architect yeah. Let's call me the Godfather.
0: Uh, you know what? We'll go with the Godfather. <laughs> you, you name it, 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 there it is.
1: <laughs> okay. So as the Godfather of the second annual sports ethos mark trade deadline, I'm in every negotiation not, I don't have to be. I, I sent out, most people are already savvy enough with the front office to know the raw salary matching, everything like that. So it's not really the, you know, babysit. It's not at all. It's mm-hmm. actually more so to be able to write and talk about every single negotiation. Like, oh, Kyle Kuzma's guy we're going to get into today. So I'll just use him as an example. Mm-hmm. But, oh, Kyle Kuzma was traded, back to the Lakers for this. These are the old offers he had on the table. I, Or that the Wizards could have traded him for. Yeah. So that's why I'm in every negotiation. So my phone is blowing up. on getting Discord messages every second of the day. But I am not complaining. I am loving it. It's definitely a lot more micromanaging with 30 people than it was 15. Absolutely. But I- I'm excited. So I really do think sports ethos can really take this and run with it. I believe I spoke with our head of contents and they said it should be going live on the site. Uh, It's actually going to have its own page on the site. So it's going to say second annual sports eaters mock trade deadline. And then it's going to show all 30 NBA logos. You click on that team's logo and it's going to tell you everything that team has done from negotiating and losing out on a player. I'm going to write blobs on as much as I can. So, again, I think that's going live on the 20th, so everyone uh, on January 20th, excuse me, so everyone be on the lookout for that. And, yeah, we've already had, I believe, seven trades now complete. Corbin, there's still a few that are being finalized that I haven't announced yet. So, I know up till now, I think I've announced five of them on the Discord.
0: Yeah, with countless others, including, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, let my end go, but countless others, Either starting or on the cusp. You said it. It's been it's been wild. It's it's totally been wild. I, I gotta say, just as a person who has been happy to be a part of this with you the last two years, it's been fun. I mean, listen, I, I literally have the best job. Like Steven may have the best job being able to like watch all three teams, but I get to be a part of it without all of the extra work that Steven has to do there. Yeah, I, I'm you, just I'm
1: just here. <laughs> I'll just say you've done a little bit of extra work because you and our good buddy Wojtek Kowali. Wojtek,
0: shout out to him, yeah. yes.
1: Um, You guys really have been the backbone in my Supreme Court to my godfatherism. If you will. <laughs> so, yeah, so I am forever Appreciate indebted to that. both of you for that. Appreciate um, that. So, okay. So, I'm not going to talk about any of the trades that have been completed. We are going to, this is Thursday when we're recording. This might not be out. Corbin, I don't know how long it's going to take you to get it out, but. Oh, uh, it's dropping tomorrow. Okay. I was going to say mine. I'm probably dropping <laughs> tomorrow right? So, you guys will be listening to this over the weekends. And then starting Monday, since we have a three-day weekend, what we're going to be doing is we're aiming for an additional three episodes where we have four to five, 15-minute interviews with other participants of other teams in this exercise. So you they'll have the chance to rationalize why they took this trade over this trade, why they thought this trade would benefit them, everything like that. So I don't want to give anything away because, again, we're going to have we only have four guests lined up for Monday's episode. Maybe we'll get it on Monday. If not, you hear it by Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, for that reason, that's why I don't want to give anything away. Fair enough. Fair Still,
0: enough.
1: You're mm-hmm. Miami. Oh, no, I'm Miami. You're Brooklyn. I'm These Brooklyn. Were, been a long yep. You're Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Again, I'm not telling you to review your cards, because I'm sure some of our participants will be listening to this. Yeah, but, And they're sharks, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> they messaging me, Hey, who's this team negotiating with? I'm trying to get the sky. I'm like, I can't tell you that you guys are sharks. But anyway, so what do you think Brooklyn needs to accomplish at the deadline? Or what do you want them to accomplish as their GM?
0: I mean, ultimately my goal is to look at where the Nets are right now. They've been on a tremendous run. I think they were like 18 and five over the last like 23 games or so. Um, Of course, you have the injury to Kevin Durant. We are kind of factoring in our team, but let's be real. Kevin Durant wasn't moving at all for us. For the Brooklyn Nets, we're heavy in contention status. We found a groove. We got players healthy. The addition of TJ Warren's been great. Obviously, Seth Curry's come back to help. Kyrie Irving's coming to his own. Um, Ben Simmons is still around. You know, so the goal is to contend. Uh, And with that, we're trying to add pieces that shore up our depth, maybe kind of back up our center position, uh, depending on how we feel about – our current center. I'm not going to go too much and divulge into our our most improved player um, of the year candidate here, Um, but we're looking to shore up issues that we may have on our roster, and most notably that's defense and maybe some additional depth on the wing, and so we look at guys that we deem pretty much untouchable. If there were to be those players, it's Kevin Durant, obviously. Kyrie's an expiring contract, been doing great. Uh, come on, Nick Claxton, aforementioned center we were talking about here. Uh, he has been great for us on the defensive end. Like those are players we want to center and, and keep. You know, after that, we're kind of open to seeing who we can get that will help us out. Can we get upgrade the power four position? You know, Ben Simmons plays a hybrid point guard center role. Uh, obviously, Nick Claxton's around. Like we're trying to shore up maybe some additional shooting, but more likely some additional wing depth defensively.
1: And that's something I emphasize all the time when I do team building exercises or anything like that for bird rights is that you cannot have enough wing depth in today's NBA. You cannot like no matter who you have on your team, no matter what your team build is, you need as many wings as possible to really be competitive in today's NBA. Mm -hmm. And the Nets are, uh, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they're a very weirdly constructed team where like they have like eight guys that could all play power forward on their team with Kevin Durant and TJ Warren and Ben Simmons, just to name a few. And then they have these undersized guards that are too small to play the two, but aren't good enough ball handlers to play the point and, like, Seth Curry and Patty Mills, but they could shoot the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, And Royce O'Neal is another power forward they have. But um, Joe Harris, I feel like, is the only, like, real wing. I Kevin Durant's, of course, a big wing, but... Shoah Harris, I feel like, the only true wing on this roster?
0: Oh. Yeah, I mean, depending on what you think about Royce O'Neal. That's
1: because him. I That's feel him.
0: like Royce O'Neal does just any, you know, as a power forward, I mean, 6'4". Like, I like him better as a small forward. He can definitely play the power forward. We saw him do some of that in Utah as well. Small ball lineups, absolutely. But especially in Brooklyn, he's really worked on creating, um, doing some more self-creation. Yep. Uh, in addition to his shooting and defensive chops, he's a player that we value highly. I'm not going to say that he's untouchable, uh, you know, being 29 and having him for two more years, that is still a friendly contract that, what, two more years, $9 million, you know, for a player that brings that three and D chops that he really does bring and some additional creation that he's flourished in Brooklyn. Um, Definitely a solid player, but I agree with you. It's really him and Harris that fit that size-wise, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You look at the rest of their roster and it's not really built that same way. So definitely with you on that, I mean – you got guys that are around that, you know. Uh, TJ Warren 6'8, but with the injuries and mobility he had, I think he's better, like a small ball power forward. Utah Watanabe 6'9, I look at him more like a power forward. Marquise Morris is a center. Kessler Edwards, I guess you could say, a small forward. Like, he's those one, are the guys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. And so, your, your, your wings for the most part, it's really like you said, Harris, O'Neal, and Kess and Edwards. Who are more in that actual small forward side where everyone else is like, really? Maybe sides by the small forward, but for whatever reason, veering more toward the power forward kind of sector of the game.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to hop too much on the Nets. I obviously don't want you to give away your strategy to everyone because we're going to be revealing on the side, on the podcast, all the trades that go down. Yep. But I just wanted to talk about the Nets to emphasize how important ring depth is. And like, I, cool, but I know you've seen it, but. For anyone who's interested, I put together a 120-page, I guess you call it a mock trade deadline primer. Where the manifesto,
0: I the Bible, Manifested. that's what I'm
1: calling it. Exactly. Yep. So, again, 120-page PDF. And when I'm going over which teams or which players every team should be targeting, I just had a plethora of wings for almost everybody. Sure, like the Denver Nuggets and the Sixers need backup centers. Um, Who needs a backup point guard? Miami, he'd need a backup mm-hmm. point guard probably realistically. But everyone needs more wings. I mean,
0: everyone. so. Everyone. That's this. It's the one quantity that is in such short supply.
1: And we're going to talk about the real deadline coming up in a couple minutes. There's a lot of shooting on this trade market this year too. There's a lot of shooting. Yep. Right
0: mm mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. And you I mean...
1: see that in these negotiations. So as I said, I am representing Miami. And I actually gave myself Miami because I figured, okay, they're 300000 under the tax. And they're not good enough to really compete. So I don't know if they're going to really be buyers. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm already doing so much. I put this whole thing together. I'm already going to be working like a dog. I don't need to really be heavily involved in negotiations. Fair but enough. now that negotiations have started, I see my, myself heavily involved in a lot of negotiations. FOMO. So I, I don't even think it's FOMO. I think it's that <laughs> like, hey, Miami has this huge PJ Tucker-sized hole in the lineup. Let's do everything we can to fill it. I'm out there negotiating for Kyle Kuzma. I'm out there trying to get Obi Toppin. I just it's <laughs> for Robert Covington. Anyone who has a pulse and is 6'9", <laughs> and keeps trying to shoot and won't get play it off the floor defensively, I'm asking for every single one. That's fair. I
0: mean, that makes sense. It, it's one of those things where it's like if he's around and you have the capability of filling a need, a position need for this four team, yeah, you're going to do your due diligence to, to make that happen. And listen, Steven, I'm not going to lie. I would expect nothing less from you. Like you you might want to sit on the sidelines. You see this team, you wrote this Bible. Let me tell you all real quick. I'm long after this, this, trade deadline exhibition is over. I am keeping this PDF. I might print this bad boy out. Like, I'm let me my and
1: binding it. And every uh, year I'm just going to have them on my book. Uh,
0: send me, you know what? We'll talk after this. Send me one. I'll pay. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I want a physical copy of this because let me tell y'all, like this is the ultimate one. It, it gives your goals, your priorities, the players to dangle, team targets, possible um, well, picks available, salary cap, outlook. Like this is the, the mecca. Uh, and, I, and I love this stuff. I mean, obviously, you got to be a certain kind of NBA sicko to be in this. Steven, one of the biggest here. But it's gold. I feel bad you, anyone listening can't really get it. But if you're listening and you're probably well, of to
1: Well, no, I, I will gladly send it. You guys can oh, email me um, at birdwatchpod <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you could email me at birdwatchpod. I will gladly give. I'm trying to get this out to as many people as I can. I sent it to a few NBA front offices. I, I'm, I'm trying to get it out. So, hands As I said, how Sports Ethos is putting it on the site where you click on the team page and see everything the team has done in the mock. We're going to have the blurbs that I put together in that manifesto of goals, priority, players to dangle with the salary matching implications. That's all going to be on the site. So if you don't physically see it, you guys go to SportsEthos.com, click the team you want to see. I'll send it out to anybody.
0: There we go. Well, y'all heard it here first. Like, there it is. And and and, and mind you, y'all, y'all should get on it because it is it is a treat for sure. But going back uh, more to Miami, like you like you said, Stephen, I want to kind of get what you're targeting. Obviously, you said yo PJ Tucker size hole. You're looking at backup point guard. Don't want to tip your own hand in what you're doing. But are there any? Let's just say targets that your eyes are on, or any players, and you don't have to put a certain player. Let's say an archetype of a player you want. Because a point guard could be, I mean, Ben Simmons could be a point guard, obviously. You know, Trey, man, like there's other guys. Like, are you looking for like a shooting guy who can swing between three positions and play off of Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero? Uh, you know, like I kind of want to get a better feel of the archetype player that you're looking to add to this team. Uh, because, like you said, you have the ability to do that, and you're targeting uh, select players. And we're gonna leave it at
1: that. <laughs> So, I'll actually reveal a little bit, because I feel like I already have the upper hand on a lot of you, because I see <laughs> every negotiation, so I know the offer I need to beat. Yeah. but
0: well, it's, Yeah, it's wild, by the
1: way. But as, as I, I said, said <laughs> I am looking for a power forward. I have DMs, Matt Moderno from The Wizards. we will be on Wizard the pod on show. Monday, we we'll talk about that. But when I had... Your friend and my friend Eric Pinker song last episode. Yes. We were talking about an article here for Beach Report that talked about Kyle Kuzma once out of Washington, whether he verbally expressed that or not, he's not planning on resigning. No. And yeah. he, Kuzma's the type of guy that he wants a specific lifestyle like he had in LA playing for the Lakers. Or if not that, then he wants to be a primary option on an NBA team. Mm-hmm. The Wizards don't provide either of those for him. <laughs> nope. So. I felt, as Miami, I would feel comfortable that he would be happy with his lifestyle in Miami, playing along Bam and Jimmy and Tyler Hero. I felt confident that, hey, I'm willing to give up whatever salary I need to to match, plus a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick on top of it, because I'm confident he's going to resign. Now, okay. Miami does have tax issues we're worrying about, so... Am I going to feel comfortable paying him $22 million a year starting next year? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, a,
0: I mean, that's a different story, right?
1: Yeah. And you it's certainly special. see how that John Collins contract age when he got similar money. Yeah. So Kuzma's one of them. And then when I started thinking, oh, I'm going to, to resign him, I'm going to be deep into the tax, I thought, okay, let me hit up the Knicks for Obi Toppin because he has one more year on his rookie deal. We could get him now, see how he plays for us through the rest of the year on the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then if we like him, we can offer from a rookie extension for significantly less than what Kuzma's going to need. True. If Obi Toppin plays well, he'll probably get the Kuzma. He'll probably get the contract that Kuzma's just finishing, which was like, what, four for 52-ish?
0: And he'd have to play a little bit better than he's playing right now, even for that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah, agree. Um, yeah.
0: I know. I know you're not saying you no. Know, I know you're kind you're of generalizing it, like the best end outcome. But well, I'm saying say. if
1: Obi Toppin was traded to Miami, became the starter, he's athletic enough. He could shoot in theory. He provides a like, he's switchable. He provides a lot of things. I think he fit really well in Miami. Mm-hmm. That I think Miami would be willing to bite the bullet and say, "Okay, fine, we will give you." You know, it might not be fully guaranteed. There might be a player option on you or for a team option rather. But they'll do it. But I, I, I do really like that fit. So I said, you know what? If I don't get Kuzma, I think I'm okay with that as my fallback option. Okay. So that's my options for power forward. Um, I have dangled with the idea of training Kyle Lowry. I don't know if that's good business, given his relationship with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. But he's been atrocious for his $28 million a year. I already yeah. have Duncan Robinson's contract on my books. I, I'm i not comparing Lowry. Larry's obviously playable, but he isn't mm-hmm. the guy who signed him. No. So I was offered D'Angelo Russell for him. I don't love it. D'Angelo Russell, same thing. He's expiring. So how much am I really going to pay him after this year?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Ru- Russell. has had a rough year, though. I mean, l- OK, it's hard. Let me ask you this. It's are kind of veering off for a split second. Sidebar. You look at D'Angelo Russell's play, right? On its head, the numbers aren't horrible i mean you know for for the season averaging 17 points per game 6.4 assists shooting 45 percent from the field 36 percent from three like if you watch the games and know you do you know the Timberwolves have been a team that has been free fall and then they're kind of climbing back up they've been inconsistent as all get out and russell has been a big part of that right that inconsistency so if you're looking to acquire russell and trade i personally like d'angelo myself how hard or how easy is it for you to separate the play of Russell independent from the performance on the team because the counting stats obviously aren't the only barometer of Russell's season because those numbers look halfway decent. Then you watch him on the floor 40 minutes a night and you're like, eh. Nah.
1: So I'm going to actually probably get yelled at by Logan in our exercise here because he's a Timberwolves guy. He's the Timberwolves in this exercise as well. Mm-hmm. And he could correct me if I'm wrong, but. The T-Wolves have really been deploying Anthony Edwards as a point guard over D'Angelo Russell these last 10 to 12 games. And I I do think D'Angelo Russell, again, I haven't, I admittedly don't watch a whole lot of T-Wolves. But I've heard more positive things with him playing off-ball rather than being the primary initiator for them. So I feel like if Miami did a trade like that, Jimmy Butler would be the guy with the ball in his hands. And D'Lo, you know, could still play that off-ball role that he's starting to get acclimated to in Minnesota now, where he doesn't have to be the primary initiator. So mm-hmm. I don't think I hate the fit. I just don't know if it's worth straining my relationship with my star player when Kyle Larry's one of his best friends, and then we start to re-sign D'Angelo Russell to God knows what number. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to swing a three-teamer from Miami and finding a way to get Terry O'Giro personally. Because that's that guy who's a point guard in theory, but he could be your off-ball guy with Jimmy Butler being like your primary facilitator. That's something I'd be intrigued in if I was Miami.
0: That would actually be kind of interesting. I see what you're saying. Yeah, a guy who doesn't have to play, you know, you could play off probably better playing off other guys, can step up in big moments, make big shots. Uh, Defensively, the, 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 the system that Miami has can probably cover up for some of his deficiencies to put it mildly on that end. I agree. It's a nice team concept that can kind of, shore up his strengths or shore up his weaknesses while kind of bolstering his strengths.
1: Exactly. And yeah, the only other thing I'm obviously trying to get off Duncan Robinson. I don't think I'm going to pay the, there was <laughs> one team that offered me, Oh, Hey, we will give you two contributor rotation players. One was a power fall. One was a point guard. Those are my two holes. I know we talked about wing death, but on Miami's job specifically, if I got a power forward and a back point guard, that's phenomenal for me. That's mm-hmm. the home run of a deadline. Two productive guys of those positions, and they would take Duncan Robinson for me. So I'm like, okay, what's the catch? Yeah. First-round pick and Nikola Jovich. I mean... I'm not going to reveal the team. We'll talk about it on another episode. Okay,
0: I'm about to say, I'm like, I, I again, I, let's you know, we'll talk about it later, because look, you listening to him, I'm like, eh. But yeah, I see what you're saying.
1: I could see myself doing something like... Flipping Duncan Robinson for Davis Breton's, you know, for lack of a better term, your trash for my trash. And at least my trash plays the four. As I said, he's 6'9, has a pulse and can shoot. So
0: <laughs> he meets the requirements.
1: Hopefully, um, Mav CBA isn't listening to this. And now he's going to offer that because I haven't proposed that to him yet because that's like my last resort to get off Duncan.
0: Okay, there you go. But there you go. I okay, like
1: something, that. <laughs> something like that for Miami, I think, in theory. I know there's been speculation that Miami's been trying to get Tim Hardaway Jr. from Dallas, and he has ties to Miami, obviously, from when his dad played there. Mm. And that's a player I've been dabbling with. But because Oladipo has a one-year no-trade clause, and Oladipo's wanted to be in Miami for years, even when he was in Indiana, it seems like, mm. he's not going to wait that no-trade clause, I don't think. No, I don't. No, so, I don't think so either. Well, I, if I want to ro- Tim Hardaway Jr., I'm gonna have to give up Duncan Robinson and convince him to take the salary. Yeah, and that's going to require Nikola Jokic to first probably.
0: No, it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, you're right. It's it's you got some fun. You have a fun situation on your team and, because you're right. It's like, huh?
1: And I'm three hundred thousand under the tax, so I can't take back salary. Really, I have to either shed it mm-hmm. or match it, and then salary sh- or. You know, salary dump someone,
0: yeah, yeah, you don't
1: have wow. That's been my issue with trying to get Kuzma because the Pete and the Wizards are both 300,000 under the tax, so neither of us it needs to be literally an identical trade or one of us had to make a subsequent move.
0: Wow, to make that even possible, exactly. Yeah, listen, I you have some fun there, that is that is for sure. I mean, I love the fact that it does put you in, in the ballpark, of like, All right, listen if we're this team and you want to make this movie on paper, all this sounds fine and dandy, but like there's a lot to really consider to make these trades happen from the salary requirements and restrictions there from the PR, because you're right. Like this is our own sandbox, but you want to make it in some realm of reality, at least in some point. Okay. How does this fix your team, you know, in a tangible, realistic way. And you said it like, okay, for Miami. Yeah. Get all the players. They'll love Miami. That's great. What about your tax situation? Well, what about the players in contract?
1: Yeah. And we need to factor in not only would they go into the tax. So you don't get the basically how it works for people who aren't as familiar or savvy as of with it as Corbin and I are. Basically, if you're a tax paying team, you pay out all the non-tax paying teams at the end of the year. So right now, I believe there's 10 teams in the tax. Mm -hmm. So the 20 non-tax teams are each entitled to $16 million each. So not only do you not get that $16 million, if you're in the tax, but you'd be paying sixteen million dollars for being in the tax. So that's a thirty-two million dollar swing. You as an owner, you this is a business to you. You need to make profit. Like you're not gonna sacrifice thirty-two million dollars just to get Kyle Kuzma. You're no. not. No. It's so not that's worth what it, Like, I've had GMs ask me, Oh, is it okay if I go in the tax? I'm like, if you're going in the tax, you better be thinking you're winning a championship. If you're yeah. not
0: and I know, and like, even, and even then, look at the Lakers look at other teams that have won the championship and then immediately went and tried to duck.
1: Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm a Sixers fan in real life. The Sixers are $1.1 million over the tax. And if they go over the tax this year, they're on the repeater tax next year. They're not going to do that. Mm-mm. They, Recent history has shown, just from a historical standpoint, if you're that close to going in the tax or that close to getting out, you're going to find a way to get out. And that's why I'm so. Pessimistic on what the Six are going to do with the deadline, because they can't take really take back. They're going to salary dump Jaden Springer to probably like Indiana or San Antonio. But what? But then they're one million under the tax, so you can't really take back. So sure, you could get Matisse Thybulle and Furcon Korkmaz, trade them to Orlando for Gary Harris or Terrence Ross. But then you're back in the tax again. So it's mm-hmm. like it's going to be very interesting to see with the biggest luxury tax bill in NBA history, how teams can move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be huge. That's going to be huge because you said it. it's, it's a lot of, of opportunity costs, but also very real costs
1: to that. Yes. So yeah. So now we're on the real deadline. So Corbin, is there any team or player or anyone in the deadline or with the deadline coming up that you think we need to talk about?
0: I'm looking for sure at, um, I think we need to talk about the Raptors and the Hawks. Yes.
1: Okay. Let's start with the Raptors. The Raptors are going to be the team. They're going to be the Orlando Magic two years ago when they traded off Vucevic and Fournier and Aaron Gordon. They're that middling team that you don't know if they're going to buy. You don't know if they're going to sell. They should probably sell, but maybe they don't. But they're that team that, you know... um, they're controlling the whole deadline. Everyone's thinking, okay, not only can we get our hands on Van Vliet or Gary Trent Jr. because they're expiring contracts, but OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam only have a year after this year. And we know guys are more yeah. valuable at the deadline when they have that extra year in their deal as opposed to when they're expiring. And we heard, you know, Zach Lowe talk yeah. about it on the Low Post when he said, you know, um, I just lost the thought when he said, oh, (laughs) it's going to be a Donovan Mitchell-type return for OG and Obi because he has that extra year on his deal. And again, we already talked about the wing depth, so I'm not going to keep hopping on it. But for a premium wing in today's NBA, it's going to cost you two firsts and a young player, three firsts and a young – whatever it's going to take, it's going to be a premium. So if Toronto wants to sell, they are going to get halls for all of them, all four of them, all four of those guys I just said. So Toronto's a team that – is going to dictate this whole deadline. If they decide not to sell, I know you said Atlanta, so I'll get to them, but then I'm looking at Chicago. Then I'm looking at who else could sell in theory. Um, maybe Atlanta. Maybe Minnesota already gives... Atlanta and Minnesota both made decisions that clearly backfired on them, and the aspect of they were not ready to take their team to the next level. But they yeah. made a trade giving away all these unprotected picks and everything to get a to try to push them to that level. And it's backfired for both. It's worked out for Cleveland and I suppose Not Chicago, familiar. Chicago's yeah. in this group as well after getting Busevich, Romanzo, and, and DeRozan and giving up all these picks to get all those guys. It's backfired for three of the four.
0: Yeah. If and now, they
1: teams, are they going to be sellers again already?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is you have so many teams that are kind of caught in this quagmire of whether to be buyers or sellers because of the parity in the league and also the market. Right now you have teams that are – you're there's literally I think it's like for four games, five games separating uh, like six different seats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're a team that's on the outside looking in, okay, if I get one other player, we're right there. We don't got a tank. Like we are right in this thing. And if you're a team that's already at the top and you're trying to like add additional assets and bolster that team. Okay, fine. But then you had have to give it one of your good players. And you're like, okay, hold up. You know what I mean? Like, the draft picks right now, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how draft picks are prized. I think every, I think the trades that happened over this offseason between the DeJounte Murray trade, mm-hmm. obviously the much bigger Rudy Gobert trade have a factor as well, because you have teams posturing like John Collins is going to get a, a, oh, Donovan Mitchell, let me talk about that trade too. The John Collins is going to get Donovan Mitchell sized offer. We know it's not going to happen, but teams are like, let's try it. You know, we didn't think Rudy Gobert was going to get the type of deal that he got. So right now, I think the valuation of picks, the parity in the league, the, the, increased amount of buyers to sellers is all going to make this super interesting. And I think that between the Hawks and John Collins and the Raptors and where they sit as a team in general with, you know, Gary Trent Jr. Going to be a free agent, Fred Van Fleet going to be a free agent, you know, Pascal Siakam in his 28th season and he you know, is, is, is it could potentially be available. Like, I feel like those are the two stones that might begin the semi avalanche of a trade season, because I feel there's just too many teams stuck in this mix For nothing to happen. So I don't know if I want to say it's going to be a quiet deadline. At the same time, we got to wait for the shoe to drop. The other shoe hasn't happened yet.
1: So do you remember last year when we did our first annual mock trade deadline and the Raptors owner traded both Siakam and Van Vliet? I got so much hate on Twitter from so many people. Oh, Masai won't trade these guys. We're two years removed from a ring. Blah blah blah. Now we hear you later talking about these guys conceivably being available. So maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't as far fetched. As people were telling us it was.
0: <laughs> this is the Steven Revenge tour right now. Oh, you thought you thought I was wrong. You mean yeah, no. It's I mean, true. So I didn't want to be I didn't want to
1: be, you know, be that uh, wrong, but. Yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. But I mean at the end of the day, looking at how it's also is a testament to how quickly things change in the NBA. You yeah. know, look at this team last year, you know, they were a year removed from that horrific 2020 season, but before that they'd had a deep playoff run without Kawhi Leonard, looking at guys who are 26, 27, deep roster, Coach Nurse is amazing. You know, all it takes is one year. You know, maybe Gary Trent hasn't been deciding that they expect him to be value-wise. Injuries have happened, a little bit of regression. It just shows you how quickly things can change on a dime. But looking at it now, yes, you do not look so crazy back then. We just needed it. So that, that's the fun there.
1: Yeah, so I know you said you want to talk about Elena. Let's get to Elena in one second. Let's just talk about these four guys we just mentioned on Toronto. Because I do think Toronto is going to be a seller in slump capacity. What teams do you like for each of them? Let's start with OGN and Obi. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Ooh. I have a few. That's That
0: is. I mean, yeah. You do?
1: Yeah, my few. Again, I, everyone let me, needs I'll let you
0: game. go first. I would like OG on Atlanta.
1: Yeah, but does Atlanta have what it takes? They just shave up all the sticks with DeJounte Murray. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, no, no. I, no. I'm, yeah, no, no. I'm talking like just ideal fit. Honestly, like if there was a trade to happen, I mean, what? Okay, see? You know, you want to have teams with the assets to put together the godfather offer why, that nobody's going to command.
1: Both of these teams are actually pretty asset rich and they're both contenders. If Memphis or the Pelicans said, hey, we have a surplus of picks, we have a surplus of young guys, we need wing depth, there cannot be enough of it in the NBA. Like, can you imagine either of those teams with I think he'd make them the title favorites. Either of them.
0: Yeah. What about, okay, what if it was I, it, I, I don't think this works. Actually, no, I'm not going to say it. I want to say Dallas, but the only thing I can think of is like... I oh, thought
1: about Dallas. Yeah, because they, they have Google. all their
0: draft picks. I Christian Wood about, makes matching salary. Uh-huh.
1: I thought Close about a scenario with Dallas. If they could pull off a heist of getting OG and Obi and Sadiq Bay in this trade deadline, conceivably, that would, that would change the whole trajectory of the team. Mm-hmm. If you get those two premier wings... Sadiq Bay is gonna be easy to salary match because he's on a rookie deal. You give you could trade three first. You give two first, Josh Green, and Jaden Hardy or something to Toronto, Froji, and Anobi. And then Detroit apparently wants an unprotected pick for Sadiq Bay. If you say, fine, I'll give you an unprotected pick for him. That changes the whole trajectory yeah. of the team, in my opinion.
0: No, I agree. It, it would be something that would be just a, a, a monumental trajectory for that because now you have another player who pairs perfectly in the midst of having a defense player of the year season Offensively, is coming to his own things averaging in points like yeah it would be a devastating trade I, w- I would totally agree with that i also think i don't know how they do it i mean or what pieces would go but i would like og Ananobi in denver
1: oh could you imagine him and Aaron Gordon just terrorizing on the That's what
0: teams? I'm saying. And then also just being fed, just spoon-fed baskets from Nicole Jokic. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't know. I think Michael Porter Jr. or some other players have to be a part of that. I don't know. I mean, obviously, one of them would have to be a part of that. I'm thinking Porter Jr., uh, looking at their roster at a glance, you know, for matching salary and, and other players as well.
1: Well, oh, yeah, uh, they don't have any 1st round pick. I think just about all their picks are tied up except maybe one.
0: Oh, well then that rules it out. Yeah, that's and so, honestly that was really it, just it obvious. Like, they
1: had to be really hiring MPJ and do that swap basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I I he's nice, but
1: mm. But What about Siakam? I I was going to say Memphis for him as well, but now that you mentioned Dallas, can you imagine Siakam and Luka Doncic together?
0: <sighs> That'd be nasty. Both guys can offensively run the, the show. I love Siakam as that secondary offensive initiator. The rebounding and value, he brings a second-side score playing off of Luka, a guy who can do some creation as well at a 6-10 front. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. You're right. That'd be a nice... That would be nice. And then
1: Memphis, you shift Jaron Jackson to the 5 Good. to be the rib protector. You have Siakam mm-hmm. at the 4, Desmond Bain, John Moran. I think that'd be a phenomenal fit for him.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: And I can see Ananobi and Siakam both fitting in in Indiana really well, too.
0: They both could fit well as well. I like that, too. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, for a team in Indiana that doesn't really want to be losing anyway, have Halliburton around. I'm not sure. I guess, I mean, there'd be a lot of their young players are probably gone. So I'm just going to mention Halliburton. as the one person who stays. But even with Halliburton as, like, the temple of those two and whoever else they managed to keep that's not involved in the trade, uh, yeah.
1: And OG played in Indiana, by the way. You're right. College forgot. Mm-hmm. And then Fred VanVleet, he's an interesting one because he's an undersized guard, and so many teams already have an undersized. Like I would say the Pelicans for Fred VanVleet, but I don't know because they already have C.J. McCollum. But I-, I do like that fit as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Pelicans. I think the second the Raptors say okay, we are sellers, the Pelicans, Grizzlies, and Mavs are going to be the first three to come call in. Yeah, and I those agree. are the few teams we've been consistently talking about. Agreed. So what's your you think – why Atlanta? Why are you so cheap by Atlanta?
0: I feel like – I mean, I feel like having a, a wing that could kind of soak up some usage offensively – I mean, here's the thing. Soak up some usage offensively in a role that plays as an ancillary player because at the end of the day, it's Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, and they're running the show, right? But if you have a guy like OG who you're shooting a three to solid clip, able to actually be a kind of shutdown wing that the – Hawks knee while also not taking anything off the table offensively. You know, a guy who could maybe slide to power forward. I like lineups that could probably have AJ Griffin at the three, you know, exactly. You know, and then maybe even OG at the five. I mean, I don't know how you want to do it. That's a small lineup, but like, that's an electric offensive-minded lineup with a defensive guy between Hunter and and Ananobi that I think will be solid enough floor spacing from both those guys on the wing of course AJ Griffin as well I mean AJ Griffin and um, and Ananobi on the wing of course Hunter he's not as good a shooter but out there and Mm -hmm. then of course you know running pick and roll whatever the case may be pick and pop alongside Young and or Um, DeJounte Murray. I just think the offensive fit of that's really sick, and I think that he can be utilized in some interesting ways alongside their personnel, because that's kind of, I mean, Atlanta has some issues interpersonally, but if they had, like, a solid wing, it almost, like, a lesser extent, and this is a pie-in-the-sky thing, because it couldn't happen, but, like, Cleveland, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, the need for just that wing who doesn't take anything off the table offensively still brings a high defensive value and can utilize or, you know, um, capitalize on his offensive opportunities while also realizing maybe those aren't as big as the big dogs, the guards in both cases, for both Cleveland and Atlanta. You know, whether it is, you know, DeJounte and Trey Young in Atlanta, whether it is Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland, you want a guy who can make the most of his opportunities while also playing off of those guys and not being a gaping hole defensively, or being able to help defensively and being a complete non-entity on the offensive side.
1: Yeah, Cleveland only has enough of those guys. Guys that are like Isaac Okoro.
0: Or Karis Levert. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, or Lamar or Lamar Stevens. You know, you like, know it's always actually, one or the other.
1: You know what should actually make a lot of sense at the deadline? What? A Karis Levert to Dallas for Tim Hardaway Jr. swap. Because look. Oh, Levert. I do, like
0: that. I do Levert
1: like that. has to come off the bench now because he needs a ball in his hands and either Garland or Mitchell are always going to have the ball. So that's why they've been staggering him and putting a full mm-hmm. roll in the five or in the starting five. Mm-hmm. Dallas, needs no. an extra playmaker. I know he'd be playing alongside Dinwiddie and Luca, and Luca's the probably the most ball-dominant guy in the league, but they need an extra playmaker in Dallas and they need a wing and he checks both those boxes for one.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I, I like that, absolutely. Like, that for me is, is a solid one. You're right, he's a guy who I think can play a better version of that backup point guard hybrid role, like also playing alongside Luca. that you really need to have. Jalen Brunson, the only one who's really struck that balance, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is the ultimate feast or famine type of player alongside him. And I think with Karras um, LaVert, you have someone who is more readily able to create his own offense. Uh, probably the same iffy three-point shooter that, you know, Dinwiddie is, but someone who can at least run the offense and also be more scoring-minded and whether Dinwiddie can be more scoring-minded but isn't as capable, in my opinion, as Karras is on the yeah. offensive end. Um, and also balancing playing off of Luka with being assertive and taking control. You know, imagine uh Karras LeVert alongside Christian Wood. I don't know if I like that defensively, but offensively, that's nice. You mm-hmm. know, having a ray of shooters out there. Tim Hardaway Jr. gets to go. I mean, if he's traded to Cleveland, that's a guy who could probably, you could probably get away with playing at the three, you know, good enough three-point shooter, doesn't create his own offense anyway, so it's great. Defensively, can kind of be a stout kind of guy. Not your stopper necessarily, but probably the best of both worlds you're going to get with the position that Cleveland's in financially um, and the players available. So I definitely like what you described there.
1: And then we have John Collins while we're on the Hawks. He's. He, I feel like he's the new Miles turner in the aspect of that. He's always freaking trade rumors no matter what. Um, and I kind of want to use that John Collins theoretical trade, I suppose, with him being in rumors. And I want to segue that into like in Indiana and Utah and what those teams are going to do at the deadline. Both of those teams are speculated to have interest in John Collins and... Uh, I suppose Utah doesn't need a power forward. They don't by any means. Indiana, J- friend of the pod, Jake Fisher, just wrote today, they're, mm-hmm. they're, tr- they're trying to get a power forward. Wow. So, and Utah has, it's been reported multiple times, as like Collins, and apparently they offered, who was it, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley, I believe. Mm-hmm. But they won a first rounder with Collins in order to do it because I suppose Collins' money and Vanderbilt still being on a rookie deal. So, what do we think those teams end up doing, Indiana and Utah? Because they're teams that clearly came into the year just about as projected to be the two worst teams in the NBA or close to it. And Indiana, I know Halliburton is going to miss time now, but they're sitting at the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. And Utah, right now, I believe, isn't playing in the West. So, where do we think teams like that go, where they have some pieces? We thought they were going to tank, but Indiana's starting to look like they're going to re sign in or renegotiate and extend Myles Turner and not trade him. Maybe they bring John Collins in now. Utah has pieces that people want, but they want to extend Jordan Clarkson, apparently. So, which I don't think they will extend him. They probably just re signed him, if anything. But either way, nonetheless, what, what do you think of a team like that? We already talked about Toronto. And Chicago is teams that might need to rebuild. We talked about Atlanta and Cleveland, who need wing death. What do these teams in the middle end up that we anticipated were going to rebuild, but necessarily might not now?
0: I mean, I think it's interesting because those are the teams that I think are going to be one of the ones that make a trade late in the deadline because you're in a holding time. You're trying to see what's available, you're trying to see kind of what assets you have on your team, what players you have on your team that you deem worthy of being available for a trade that you want to um, kind of get back but at the same time you're not actively throwing out all your hands you know what i mean it's really more of a reactionary type deal because let's face it like you said both these teams didn't necessarily expect to be in the position they're in you know so do you just change your team developmental path off the top and say you know what chuck it we're going for it you know what i mean are you going to take this like found goal found money and be like hey they're playing well right now we'll just see what happens we're going to ride this wave even if we make a move, it's not going to vault us into championship contention status. So we're going to continue with the the strides we're making. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like uh, it's weird for me because we saw this happen with two teams in the past Uh, between, I think it was 2020 and, or 2021 and uh, 2022, actually. Well, both in the same year between the Hawks and the Knicks. You know, you have a team that have success that you didn't bank on. Mm-hmm. And, and it's outside success. Do you buy into that and go, oh, this is the team we got cash all in. Let's make it happen. Then we saw both teams take a disappointing step back as they realized that it was a set of circumstances and some really good stretch of play that enabled the team to play at the level they did, but this wasn't the accurate representation of what the team was. So you want to be careful that you're not doing that. We saw the New York Knicks as well. You know, Julius Randle was out of his mind with some vets. Okay, great. We're going to double down. We great. You know, and then we saw what happened the year after, right? So it's really about having a tempered outlook and I expect both teams to continue that Moving forward, especially since, you know, you throw too many chefs in the kitchen, you know, too many tweaks, it all falls apart. And right now, whether it's sustainable or or just a current rise, you're building something. Even if this is, let's say these teams are outperforming expectations and, you know, you got a lot of players on the high street. I wouldn't even know the circumstances to continue to bring this about. But they're, let's say they're really more like the ninth or tenth. Somebody has to be the ninth or tenth team. Someone has to be the tenth or eleventh team. They're just a really good tenth or eleventh seed. If you're going to make a trade and say, "Okay, we give you the 60 right now, boom," but you've like left yourself bereft of, of trade assets into, in the form of picks or, or younger players because you wanted a veteran who may or may not fit as well, all of a sudden, where are you at? You know, and I think that both teams are going to look at it more measured. I, I'd be surprised to see a blockbuster trade with Indiana, almost like we see right now. You know, they were they wanted to make the move for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner to LA for Russell Westbrook, Gurley. I doubt either get moved now. They're both yeah. playing well. They've both been big to the success of the Pacers. The Pacers want to continue that success. No reason to blow it up now. You know what I mean? So I think both stay. And I think we can look at that for a few of these teams that we projected to be lower than they were and now are outperforming expectations. Okay, we're going to see what the guys who got us here.
1: Yeah. And we talked about John Collins. Um, we talked about him with Indiana, Utah, et cetera. As we said, he's a new milestone. I think the best thing Indiana could do is honestly – renegotiate and extend Miles Turner. And then if they underperform again next year, like everyone expected them to this year, then now you have a new four-year deal in his prime, We're able to trade him on that four-year t- You could pay your guy, keep him happy, and then trade him next year You'll probably get maybe better value for him because he's not in expiring anymore.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: So is there any player we're looking at specifically that, you know... Are they going to get moved? They probably will get moved. And we're looking at a specific destination for them.
0: I mean, I, I, I'll say it. I said it, I won't say it again. I, I'm looking at John Collins for sure. I feel like he's been talked about too much mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. I feel like his fit within, with the land has just been terrible uh, this most recent year. His play has obviously dropped because of the playing time and the role that he's been in, I feel that teams could look at him and say, okay, he could be a nice fit for us. You know what I mean? Whether that is a Brooklyn, whether it is a Los Angeles, whatever the case may be of saying, okay, we can actually get this guy who's shooting, you know, under 30% from three right now, 12 and eight don't look so good, but it's probably the role that has him in this situation and not the talent. He's only just 25, you know, so I can see a few teams uh, looking at him. I can see Kyle Kuzma being on the move. Bottom line, uh, Washington might keep him just because, hey, you know, they are great in mediocrity, and the chance to make a playoff spot, if that's attainable with Kyle Kuzma, is probably better than without Kyle Kuzma. But at the end of the day, if you know that he's not coming back, then, you know, you got to do something to get value of him or you're just going to let him walk for nothing unless you delude yourself into believing that you can convince him to stay. So that's another player I'm looking at. Chicago, I just feel like too much is going wrong, too much. Uh, too soon for them. So whether you're fielding offers on DeMar DeRozan, whether you're looking to trade Nikola Vucevic, who's expiring contract. So if you're not trying to plan on extending him, and I don't know why you would if you're Chicago, then maybe he's a player that can be looked around. Um, Even Levine. Even Levine, maybe. He's been coming Mm -hmm. to his own as of the last couple of weeks here. But that contract wasn't looking pretty, and I think we've already seen what it could like. We've seen, like, glimmers of what it could like on – it's bad days or, if you want to be pessimistic, what it will look like in the future, maybe two years down the line, maybe less, you know, depending on his knee moving forward. So maybe you want to get out of that, cut your losses early. That depends on the front office being willing to accept, hey, you know, this didn't work out too well. We're sorry, you know, but I don't know if, if the Chicago front office is going to do that, but I would look at them as well. And then lastly, we mentioned already, and we're going to bring it up again, um, Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, something's got to give. Something's got to give. I'd be surprised if they continue – you know, post-trade deal with the exact same team they had going in.
1: There's a theme with a few of those teams you just named. Mm-hmm. Kuzma, expiring deal. Vucevic, expiring deal. Fane Vliet and Gary Trent throw there as well. Player options likely expiring deals. Fane fleets already turned down an extension offer. Kuzma, you know, is not extending because they can only extend to 120% of his contract. He's not making that much right now. Mm-hmm. Vucevic didn't really have any um, extension negotiations. Mm-hmm. If you are not an elite championship contender and you're just one of these middle-of-the-packed middling teams, it is organizational malpractice, in my opinion, to just let the guy who got out his roster then recoup any value for him. That's my opinion. I agree. Kizma, we know either wants a lifestyle. We already talked about this, but like he doesn't want to, he's not going to be in DC where he's not going to be the first or second option. And he doesn't have that lifestyle. He's, he's being a supermodel. I mean, he, he he doesn't want to be in DC when he could be in LA. He could be in Nick where, you know, he has ties to CIA. That's his agency. And we know the ties there. He could go back to the Lakers where he won a championship and was logged. Um, Vane's lead. I don't know. I know we turned down the extension. So Maybe he'll want to stay in Toronto because he knows he's already won a championship there and it's the only mm-hmm. place he's ever known. But you got to recoup some kind Vucevic, I, 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 there's no reason to keep him, honestly. Because realistically, what are you going to resign him for at 32 years old? That – I mean, you – and I don't know, quite frankly, who's really going to want him, Vucevic.
0: No, I'm about to say, uh, his contract, I have a feeling it's going to look a lot different. You'll be lucky to get <laughs> you know, a pick. yeah. No, you're not. I mean, and, and mind you, the he's been playing is is this it's, it's been some regression. It just has, you know. You call it down here if you want to. Been two years of eh, kind of play. I I call that a regression. So I, I don't know. Like I think that that's something that's definitely um, in the air in terms of a player that is probably going to be on the move. But I don't expect him to fetch like a robust trade market. You no.
1: know. No, but. The player I have my eye on this deadline is Alex so I know that's not, you know, I know Alex is glamorized from his time with the Lakers, and mm-hmm. he's this iconic figure nowadays, the bald eagle, I know that, but it's not the sexiest name in terms of like a John Collins or Miles Turner, or he's not, a, he's not as big of a name is what I'm trying to say. That's fair. But we saw two years ago when Paul Lynn traded for Robert Covington, they gave up two first-round picks to get a defensive stopper on the wing who's making mid-level exception money. And now you have Alex Caruso, who's making less than the current mid-level exception, in contract for three more years. Well, two more if you don't, two plus this one. Mm -hmm. On a phenomenal contract, great defender. I mean, just such a connective piece for any contender. How? I wouldn't be shocked if he has the most trade value on the Bulls right now. Out of everybody on the Bulls, it would not shock me if every single guy got traded. If maybe Levine, maybe DeRozan because of name value and it's a business, they want to sell tickets. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying for the contract value of all the deals are wrong, Levine's negative money on his new deal making $215 million. Mm -hmm. DeRozan's okay. He's what, $26 million this year, 28. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's even going to want with his expiring, but Caruso for the value teams are going to pay because it's a guy that's attainable that not only I was on with Trey and Keith, the sports ethos Bulls a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the analogy I gave was Caruso, you only need salary match for nine mil. So you could throw two end of the bench guys are making four mil each and get Caruso with whatever picks. Wow. But DeRozan, you're going to have to match $26 million. And odds are, unless you're the match, like a Davis bertons or the Heat with Duncan Robinson laying around, and that'll take additional money to get off of, by the way.
0: It's not It's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, you're, you're not going to – it'll happen, but you're not going to get, like, the same type of value. Yeah. Or you're You're going to give up role players out of contributing and go into your depth. As Caruso, you're just adding the depth, you know? Like, yeah, I apologize. is what I meant. Month. Like,
0: you're not, yeah, yeah. Benef- it's not beneficial in that way.
1: Like, if you do a cost-benefit analysis, okay, <clears throat> I'm a tax team, I'm a borderline tax team. Like, look at the Sixers. They have Matisse, Liable, Fulcan, Korkmaz. That's $9.3 million in salary outgoing. Mm-hmm. Caruso makes about nine point one, probably. So, that's a way for them to stay out of the tax. The issue with the Sixers is they don't have any picks to give. Sure. So while a Terrence Joss, or Gary Harris might only take a second-round pick or two, that'll put them in the tax. Caruso, it's not. So that's why he's going to be such a coveted asset if the Bulls decide to blow it up. But Mike Skoda from Loopsite today reported that Caruso is not being discussed. Bulls aren't trading him. Interesting. So we'll see. Maybe that's a leverage play by the Bulls.
0: I think it probably is. What would, what, would you, what would you think the odds are that it is a leverage play? 50-50.
1: Okay. Because I think the Bulls did just push in all these chips, and they could see say, okay, this year's probably a wash, but if Lonzo Ball's back next year, we have something special here. Mm-hmm. And they will want to hold on to Because Crucifers trade value, you see his three years left on this year, so you don't even rush to trade him. You can trade him next year and still get a nice package for him.
0: True.
1: And next year, That's he'll good. be even less... Money under the mid all exception because the cat keeps rising.
0: Although you get a player, another player, a little, a year older, who's bang and, 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 and crash type of play could make that look a little worse. I mean, it's, it's it's not likely, but I mean, I mean, this guy's, we see the way he plays, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and that lends up to injuries and he's a guy who uh, kind of relies a lot on athleticism, a lot his defensive aptitude, not the best of shooters, not really the best of playmakers, really, just a really solid defensive minded guard who can run your offense for since. But at the same time, you're right. Like, would it be twenty nine? Will it be thirty next year? I'm trying to see.
1: How think is that or what? I'd say maybe twenty eight.
0: Maybe, I think yeah, he's maybe uh, twenty eight. No, it will be twenty it He'll be twenty nine in February. Okay. So, if we're oh, about yeah, the next year's big, deadline,
1: my fiance. There you go.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. So there <laughs> you go. There it is. So yeah, next uh, next year he'll be going up to age thirty. Again, it's not the end of your career by any stretch, but you know we've we've seen players of that type. There's a there's a decline
1: mm-hmm. around that
0: time. You know that's No,
1: like, wow, that's definitely fair. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. so okay, trade deadline season. I love it. Ooh,
0: it's a lot of fun. Dude, just talking about it. Like, I'm. you're tired, just excited. Like, I, I mean, after I'm recording, I got to get back to, like, a, a proposal I'm having that I was cooking up as we were talking. Like, oh, this could be a good thought. So, yeah, the magic of this is, is great, and I'm glad that we're going to be collaborating. Got a lot of good content. I know not only do we collaborate on the trade deadline, um, the mock trade deadline, Steven, last year, but we also have the Sports Ethos live trade deadline show. Uh, the Tech's been a stable the last like four or five years. I've been mm-hmm. a part of it the last three or four, I want to say. I know you've been a part of it as long as you've been here. Um, I'm doing, and I want to have you on as well, uh, uh, NBA Trade Guide Series where I'm getting a guest for each team breaking down, you know, what's possible, what moves should be made, what do you like, what you don't like. That's happening. You know, you got everything you're doing here and just the monster stuff you have. So it's crazy time. As James Harden said last year, and it wasn't, but it's scary hours.
1: Yep. <laughs> I, I even assembled – What would have been the largest trade in NBA history? It was a six-team, fourteen-player trade, and I don't think I'm going to get every owner to agree on. Which again, that's tough to get every participant to agree on a Mm sixteen-trade. But that's why it would have been the largest NBA history. So I tried. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. But yeah, we have another few weeks of the mock trade deadline. We're probably going to conclude it around February first. So yeah. And there then starting Monday, you guys will be hearing us interviewing some of the participants on moves they made, negotiations they're having, and giving you a little bit of more insight into the exercise.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to be doing part of this with you, Steven. I'm excited for what's to come. Uh, we're going to have a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Definitely. Um. Real quick, let them know where to find you because if you aren't following Stephen at this point, you know I don't know what to say. Uh, but please just share. I mean, you already shared your work, but is it just Twitter? Where else? Let them know. Let's hear it.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Bird Rights Pod, and you can email me any questions you have if you want a copy of that um, manifesto, as Corbin called it, the 120-page primer of anything that happens trade deadline every. Everything you need to know about the trade deadline is in there. You could email me, um, birdrightspod at gmail.com. You could DM me on Twitter, and I'll be more than willing to send over a PDF. The table of contents is hyperlink for each team, so you don't need to scroll through 120 pages to get through the whole thing. You could just click on whatever team you want to read at the time. But, yeah, definitely very resourceful, and I definitely recommend everybody um, checking it out.
0: Yep. Definitely make sure to do that. I got to talk to Stephen afterwards about this in a second, but yeah, it's going to be a total blast to follow him, especially over this next month. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined at CorbinNBA, also Instagram, just general NBA stuff. It's really all it's about there. Um, also, please make sure to check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at SportsEthosOnlineSportsEthos.com Definitely make sure to stay tuned for that, not only for Steven's NBA mock trade deadline project that's a, that's kicked off already, but just everything else they have in store, like I alluded to that mock trade deadline live show, the fantasy perspective on each of the um, coming moves that will be happening. It's going to be a lot going on. You definitely don't want to miss it, so definitely make sure to stay tuned for that. But listen, y'all, this has been a blast of the simulcast on Round Ball Ramble and Bird Rights Pod for the both of us, for myself, for Steven, we are frosty. Y'all stay frosty and I will talk to y'all, well, we will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.